Chocolo, my man, what's up, buddy? Glad your dolphins got that one loss out the way already. That's it. He said he's gonna go five and two the rest of the way. They got that one loss out the way real early, huh? Ricky Walker, what's good, buddy? Long time. Michael Smith, appreciate you. Here we are, back again for another week at the barbershop. I am your host, Mark Gray, joined by none other than Maryland's all-time leading rusher, arguably the greatest Turk football player who ever lived, Lamont Jordan. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. What's going on? Not too much or nothing, man. Uh, speaking of Terps football, got a chance to call the Michigan game out there. Uh, what's your overall thoughts? I actually like your positive spin because you're a lot more positive than I am when it comes to them. Tell, tell, tell everybody what you've been telling me. Oh, basically, we would only have one loss. It's if, ludicrous, but go ahead. Had, if we've had either our first or second string quarterback, I think the only team that would have beat us is, is Ohio State. Michigan? You know? No, I don't think Michigan would have beat us. I mean, our quarterback, he's a couple of he he's a couple of throw better throws away from 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 50 and 60 yard touchdowns. Um you look at the way the Terps played the second half. Uh we came out with life in the second half. And Michigan is a team that that they're all about the run. And when we were able to get them in third and long situations, they had to punt and we were able to get some turnovers. Um it's just our offense is built around having a a, a quarterback that can run who's a dual threat and with DJ Moore really being our only wide receiver who's a true threat um you know it's kind of tough but I'm glad I was in the booth because it was cold out there so <laughs> <laughs> let me you had you said that um Michigan pretty much almost took over the stadium mm -hmm. fan wise as a player what is that what do you think about that I mean Maryland's never really been a football school I mean, Merlin for years has just it's been all about basketball. Um, you know, the student section pretty much pretty much standard operating. You know, the way it was when I was in school. Um, but it's it's you know it's a lot of people from this area that live in this area who have been lifelong Michigan fans. We're talking about especially when Charles Wilson was there. Mm -hmm. We're talking about uh, I believe Desmond Howard. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have a lot of Michigan fans who are from this area. So. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh is the coach. So, you know, it, it brought the Michigan fans out. And when you're down to basically your fifth string quarterback, um, you know, as a Turk fan, you know, maybe you don't want, maybe Michigan isn't big time enough for you to come out there and, and sit in the cold. What, what, going back to, cause you're right, you grew up in this area, you've been here your entire life. When your recruiting process and you had a choice to pretty much go wherever it is, you felt like it, what made you want to go to Maryland? I committed to Carolina. That's the school I always wanted to go to. And not even a football school either, though. Doesn't matter. I wanted to, Jordan went to Carolina. He and, played another school. I went down there. Everybody wanted to go to Carolina. I, I, but I, my, I ran in a track meet down there. I believe it was 10th grade. I've always loved the Carolinas. Um, in ninth grade, I took a, I took one of those uh, black college tour trips and just fell in love with the Carolinas. And when I ran in the track meet, ran in the track meet there, um, you know, I was on campus. We were on Chapel Hill's campus, and I was like, wow, this is pretty neat. I'd love to come here. Uh, Charlotte Smith, you know, me being a, a women's basketball fan, her being my favorite player, 
Um, it just, you know, of course, Michael Jordan was there. You know, he controlled the air. I was going to control the ground. He was going to do for USC football what Mike did for I, basketball, man. Just, hey, Put him I, on the mat. I was going to be there for four years. And, um, you know, just the, the day before my before I was supposed to go down to Carolina, uh, Mac Brown at the time didn't, you know, didn't want to wait for me to get the SAT score. So they took my scholarship, uh, gave it to Dominique Williams. And instead of going to Carolina that weekend, I went to University of Maryland um, during winter break. There's absolutely nothing going on on campus. <laughs> um, and I remember talking to the coach, and he told me, he said, I believe that if you do what you're supposed to do, and, you know, do what you're capable of doing, I can see you being my starter by halfway through your freshman year. I almost committed to Michigan. Um, that was one of the, 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 the teams I went to. Thank goodness. Did you did you ever go out there for a visit? Yeah, I went to Michigan, Michigan State, Syracuse, and Maryland were, were my visits. It was Say it one more time. Michigan, Michigan State, Syracuse, and Maryland. Damn. And those are my those are my visits. Um Carolina was gonna be the, the you know, of course the fifth team in there. So I almost committed to Michigan. Thank goodness Coach Lynch told me not to uh sign any papers. Um then Michigan State, I, I think one thing that kept me from going there, Nick Saban was the coach at the time he was recruiting me, and I was sitting in his office. Only thing that really Nick Saban, I don't remember that. Only thing that kept me from going to Michigan State, I was like, man, I do not want to play on that AstroTurf. I, I want no part of AstroTurf. And Merlin was a good fit. Uh, I believe Merlin was playing Duke that weekend that I went. That I went to my. Uh, it was either Duke or Carolina. We won. It was a big win. I'm, I remember sitting at the game, and I told uh, Michael Oxley. You know that I'm coming here, and what's crazy is I was there with myself, um, Tyree Foreman, basically like the 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 four, three or four, you know, big backs in this area who were all making decisions on where they were going to school. We were all there that day. It just so happened I committed before those guys, and so you know, wound up going to Maryland. And, Never want to play in Florida? No. Really? No. No. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not one. I, I'm not a big fan of the heat like that. So, so you wanted to play in a cold place? Yeah, I wanted to play in a cold place. I wanted to be somewhere where where the, where I mean, I grew up in Maryland, so we right. get we get those different temperatures, Ooh, there different seasons, and the rest is history, man. Rest is history. But we're glad you glad you were there. I'm glad I went there. We didn't win a damn thing. No, I didn't win anything. But you know what? Learned a lot of life lessons. Went through a lot, and at the end of the day, I went there and. I grew up as a kid with a dream of going to the National Football League, and I played nine years coming from Sutherland High School, going to University of Maryland. That's right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I could have went to another school, and life may not have turned out to be as great as it turned out. So I'm happy that I'm a Turk. Hey, preach, brother. Preach, brother. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right along there with you. Shakif, what's good, my brother? Thank you for checking in. We appreciate the support. Jason Branch, thank you for checking in. We appreciate the support, fellas. We appreciate the support. Crazy week. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't say crazy week. I would actually say this one was pretty, went pretty much according to plan. There are a couple of times there where it looked like things were going in a different direction. Um, we'll start on the Thursday night game and a lot of, uh, drama and opinions coming out afterwards. Obviously, Richard Sherman, uh, ends the season with a, what do you do? Tear his MCL? Hey, ruptured his Achilles. Ruptured Achilles. Excuse me. Yes. Ruptured his Achilles. And then comes out and blasts the NFL about the Thursday night. Here's a question I have for you. So, the games, everybody's mad. All the players are upset about it. You voice your opinion that it's crazy to be playing games on Thursday after having a Sunday. Do you think, now they said the contract is a um, billion dollars. It's $950 million. 
So it's a billion-dollar contract that they get extra from that. Do you think players, while you're out here voicing all of this, are you willing to make, let's say, that impacts each player almost 10 15% of your salary? Um, I, I, I don't know how all those numbers break down as far as just the details of what comes with playing on Thursday night football, but I think that it makes the game bad. Um, I'm sure you've had more injuries since they've instituted this whole Thursday night football every week. Your body doesn't feel right until Thursday. To, to speak on that because I, 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 don't, I don't think this way. fans understand okay, So So you play a game. Let's say I play a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. Right. Okay. Let's say I play a nail-biter. We're, we're not blowing anybody out. You know, let, let's say we're playing a, a game that came down to, to the last drive of the game. All right. You play on Sunday, you come in Monday. When we come in on Monday, we got to get our workout in. We watch film, things of that nature. Your body, you don't necessarily, you may feel some soreness, but to a degree, you still kind of wired unless you had an injury, like a tweaked ankle or tweaked wrist or something like that. Now, you, for me, I didn't start feeling, I didn't start feeling the soreness, soreness until Tuesday. You know, you come in, get your workout, you get on the foam roller, you know, you do whatever you have to do. Uh, you get Tuesday off, but Tuesday you really don't have off because if you're nicked up, you have to come in for, for treatment, treatment, and that's mandatory. You know, I normally didn't start feeling really feeling the soreness and the headaches until Tuesday night. You wake up on Wednesday, and it's just like, man, you got to get in that hot tub. You got to get in that cold tub. You have to go through so many different things just to warm your body up, depending on how physical the game was. Now, I don't expect wide receivers and DBs who really don't want any part of contact to understand this, but when you're talking about linemen, linebackers, Running backs, this is what especially your body goes through. Especially yeah, especially This is what your body goes through. So, you know, you go through a full padded practice on Wednesday. Of course, this is when I was playing nowadays, you know, you can't practice in pads as much. But, you know, by Thursday, which is another full day, full padded practice, at the end of that practice is when you're like, Whoo, all right, now I get Friday, we out of pads, it's just a fast practice. You come in, relax your body after you walk through on Saturday, but your body really doesn't start to feel right um, until you until you get that Wednesday practice out of your way and you get through the Thursday practice. So, for some teams to have to play on Thursday at four twenty-five and then have—I mean, sorry, on Sunday at four twenty-five and then have to turn around and play again and um, travel. Somebody, and somebody travel, has to travel and travel on a Thursday, and, and of course they say, okay, well, you know, after the Thursday game, you get—I guess you get ten days rest. But you're talking about playing two full football games, all right, in less than a week. We're talking about we're playing on Sunday, and then we're playing again on Thursday. It's not seven days rest, so. You know, it just it's just not smart. And when you hear the whole, well, we're trying to protect the players, we're trying to make the league safer, you're not making the league safer by that. Thursday football, I love Thursday football when it came on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. When you did it that way, I can That's understand it. that. Okay? That's it, one time a year. Yeah, one time a year. But outside, but playing on Sunday, Thursday, Monday. Now, think about this, all right? I, we came up in the era where you got football on Sunday, Monday, and you got football on Saturday. So you got Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, you have football. College, then, you're talking about on Saturday. Now you add in college. Right. Okay. Now you're talking about playing games on Sunday. You have games on Monday. All right. 
get Tuesday and Wednesday off. Now you got games on Thursday. You have games on Friday. You have games on Saturday. It's just you. I mean, as it a fan, as a fan, it's just too much football. I agree. That's the thing that that's the thing that I think that makes football the greatest sport is that you have seventeen weeks of a regular season, and then you get the playoffs. And it's one day a week. And it's one day a week. Two, you know. Two, two days, days at the at best, right. but Monday night football is Monday night football, football. something special. Which is also they've gotten away from. Monday night football used to be the Eagles Giants. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys yeah. Redskins. Yeah. 49ers Cowboys. Like yeah. it was that premier game. Mm-hmm. Now they're just regular games, you know, and uh and, and we're not getting prime game. But no, I, I thought the product was better when you got game on you got all your games on Sunday and the best game of the week. On, on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's almost like they give you the worst game of the week on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Just two random teams. They've gotten better this year. And then, like you said, Sunday, Monday. It, it, it's, it's just always football now at that point. It doesn't It doesn't have this. It's like almost like watering down the product, so, sort of. That's the term I'm looking for. It's, water, it's watering down the product. It's just too much football, man. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not protecting the players. You're not giving guys an opportunity to allow their bodies to heal. I mean, not allowing guys to really practice full speed. I mean, have have enough physical practices to prepare your your body uh, for the season. So, how do you think? Because you only played. Did you play any Thursday night game? I remember opening day in Oakland, but they didn't really have Thursday night like that. Thursday night when I was playing wasn't it wasn't you know wasn't. I don't remember that. I don't think you know you probably had one in your whole career. I'm just wondering, what do you think? I'm saying I've never played on Thursday night. The opening night, your first week in Oakland, your first year in Oakland against the Patriots. Was, okay, that, but see, that's different. Yeah, obviously, you, come, you know, it's so. different right, when you're right, coming right. in on yeah, right, Thursday, right, right, playing right. your first game of the season on Thursday, and then you don't play again on that following Sunday, opposed to playing Absolutely. A, a Sunday Monday night game and then have to turn around and play a Thursday night game. Then you, you get your 10 days off, but you're talking about playing, you're talking about playing two full all-out football games in a four-day span, <laughs> bro. You push, I've I've lived with you through it, so I mean, I remember Sunday game after the game. You still have your adrenaline going. Normally, people in town, you're excited. Boom! I remember the Mondays waking up and MG get the light and like just sore sore as hell on Monday, Tuesday slightly getting better. An idea of Thursday game. Yeah. For like you said, uh, can you imagine? I mean, that's just a running back. You imagine an offensive lineman where they just all day long linebackers yeah. all day long, yeah. and then four days late. But the the million dollar question is, is that are the players willing to give back that money? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think it's a situation where you should be able to find a way to continue to play those, the players that money, whether you're playing on Thursday or not. The fact of the matter is, is that this sport makes uh, a, a ton of money, and if you look at the if you look at the three major sports. And in, in, in this country, talking about football, basketball, and baseball, football is the one that's, that's severely underpaid. Yes, it is. Yeah, football, you know, we put our bodies through the most. Yep. So if you're really talking about taking care of the players and looking out for what's best for the players instead of looking out for what's best of, of the wealthy, um, then you should be able to, 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 it shouldn't have any effect. I mean, you should be able to, 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 pay, to pay the players for their 16 games for the regular season, continue to go about paying players for the playoffs the way you do. But, you know, as much as as much as we put our bodies through as players, and you hear so much talk about, oh, we're trying to make the game safer, we're trying to do this, under no circumstances do I see anything that we're trying to make the game 
safe. As a guy who's coming across the middle, I don't feel like you're protecting me by saying, hey, you know what? When you catch the ball and you turn and you get that quick glance, you can go ahead and give with that blow. All right. But yet we say no, no hitting high. Okay, so now we're looking out for the welfare of the players. By now, as I'm catching the ball like this, I got a man with a 10-yard head start. Now he's coming in and diving at my knees. Right. Okay, a, a concussion I could come back from the following week. Right. If my knee is planted in the ground while a man is coming 10 yards, who would typically hit me in my body or hit me in the head, that's where I can rebound from that, you hit me in the knee coming at that, that's end of career. Yeah, that's that's, that's life-altering. That's, right. that's, that changes everything. So, I mean, it's just a lot of things that's going on in, in the NFL that, that you know, as a player, I don't like. I don't think that it benefits the game, and having all these Thursday night football games is one of them. I agree. Um now let's talk about what this means. You have you talked all season long about the Seahawks, and that that's the team that you you know that's the team that you that's the eggs you're putting your uh, that's the basket you're putting your eggs in, and that's the team that you think really matters come playoff time. They lose Richard Sherman, who you also are one of the biggest fans of Richard Sherman. Mm -hmm. Now what? Um, I've always said for for me with Seattle, it's all I can care less what happens with them mm -hmm. in the regular season. It's all about what happens with them mm -hmm. in the playoffs. Yes, you you lose Richard Sherman, but that team still has an aura about them. That's I'm, a, I'm still not. I'm, I'm. I'm. First of all, they still have to get to the playoffs because right now things aren't looking good for them. You know, especially losing Sherman, you have a running. You have a running game that's non-existent. Non-existent. Um, they just can every week. The week they cannot pick a running back who they want to go with. I mean, yeah. ever since Marshawn Lynch has been gone, it's like they have four or five different running backs, and every week. Let me ask you, is that part of the problem for why they can't get any production? Because they can't pick one? I mean, you, of course. When you when you don't have a, that system when they were having success, there was a face at the running back position. Right. All right. That face wasn't just the face of the running back position. That face was the face of your franchise. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to find, you, you, you know, it's hard to find that one back, especially when you're playing in a league now where everybody likes to feature that whole two-back system, mm -hmm. you know, having that two-headed monster. With that said, I think the Seahawks, from a running back perspective, they're kind of in the same situation as the Redskins are. You just don't have same team, right? Yeah, you just don't have a, you just don't have running backs. You don't have a franchise running back. Right. That's what I'm looking for. You don't have a franchise running back. So, um, so with that said, I just I I don't yeah. It's tough for the Seahawks, but I, I still hold on to this one thing that it's all about what happens when you get to the playoffs. Because in the playoffs, the only thing you're thinking about is that one-game elimination. And I think in a one-game elimination, especially with Russell Wilson, the way he's shown that he can play uh, in the months of December, January, and then, of course, in February with the Super Bowl, um, that's a team that I still think is dangerous. But with that said, it's just a matter of, of seeing what happens with them for the remainder of the season. They're gonna to have to earn their way into the playoffs this year because that NFC is 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 that NFC is a monster. So are you sticking by the Seattle's a team to beat in the NFC? That to me this is huge. This is up there with the JJ Watts and it's not it's not the Aaron Rodgers loss, but it's definitely up there with the JJ Watt and the Odell Beckham type loss. I mean, like he means that much to that team. And like you always say, you know, a guy taking away half the field, uh that half of the field is now back in play. Yeah. Um, and he's so much of that defense, and that team has built so much on this defense. Yeah, but I also think that that defensive front is savage. 
It is. That defense is that defensive front is savage. And you also have to look at this. You know that you lose Richard Sherman for the remainder of the season. If you make the playoffs, that means that you've played six games without having Richard Sherman. That gives you six games to work out all your kinks, to work out all the different things that you have to work out. The fact of the matter is, is do they still have their two starting safeties for the year? Mm -hmm. For now. For right now, yes. Uh, do they still have their defensive front and their linebackers? Yes. Do they still have Russell Wilson? Yes. And as long as you have those guys in place, um, you know, I, I, I still, it's just something about the Seahawks that when you get to that postseason, I like. So, um, do I still think that they're the team to beat in the NFC? Um, I'm going to stick with it in, in, until they don't qualify for the playoffs. And like I've, I've said it all year long. I don't care about anything that happens during the regular season. When we get to the playoffs, I'll ask me that when the playoffs start, if Seattle is, is in the playoffs. I agree with you when Seattle has home field advantage. If, if Seattle, I don't, I 100% agree with you. Nobody wants to go to Seattle any damn sure I want to go there in the playoffs. Now, let's say they go in, if they were able to somehow get home field advantage and get a, get a game or two out there at home, then yeah, I, I think that you, Makes it, that, makes it that much easier to overcome the Richard Sherman loss. Where I think this comes into play is, let's say, your first week of the playoffs you play New Orleans in New Orleans. I'm not picking, I'm not picking Cincinnati, excuse me, Seattle in New Orleans against New Orleans. You see, you know what I'm saying? No, like, and, and, and those type of situations, now it becomes real, a real problem. You, you know I, what I mean? I totally, I totally, um, I totally understand that. Um, with that said, the year that the Seahawks came, the whole RG3 thing, if I'm not mistaken, the Seahawks went to the uh, Super Bowl that year. Mm -hmm. All right. They didn't get one playoff home game. And they had Sherman. All right. They had Sherman. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying Sherman. no, I know that they had Sherman. But mm -hmm. this is a team that with Pete Curl as their head coach, when you talk about leadership, and this is the difference between a Tampa Bay and, and, and the Seattle. Okay. You got leaders over there on that side. You have a head coach who, who seems to be a player's coach, and you have a team who has a reputation. Now, while Richard Sherman is not going to be on the field, let's make no mistake about it. But Richard Sherman will be somewhere where his voice is heard. Right. So these are all things that you have to take into account. But the best thing, I tell you what, the, the, if you're every other team in the NFC, you're happy with Richard Sherman being gone. Absolutely. All right, you're happy with that. But So but with that said, MG, um. Um, I'm I'm going to have to wait and see what happens with the Seahawks for for the remainder for the remainder of the season before I can I can say that I still think that they're the team in the NFC um, to be in in Arizona on the other side of that just another loss um, at home this time Adrian Peterson 21 carries and 29 yards and did he put the ball on the ground this game Yes, he did put the ball on the ground again that seems to be that seems to be his thing huh. Man, we talk about it every week. <laughs> you know? We don't want to sound like we picked it on. And I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm picking on AP, but this is a situation where with me working with the youth and seeing how these coaches deal with these youth players, this is a classic situation of a guy who can play, who has talent, but he has some serious flaws in his game. And now he's gotten to a he's gotten to a point where those flaws that were never corrected, those flaws that were just looked over because he was such a dynamic and dominant ball carrier, 
Now those things are starting to catch up with him. You go from talk from talks of possibly being one, one of the best running backs uh, in NFL history to now just being just a guy. Because that's what he's become essentially is just a guy. When he has a ball in his hand, you still see AP runs hard. But there are so many things that come with playing this position other than just your ability to, to, to run well with the ball in your hands. And this is what's happening with AP. Yeah, that's a shame to come to to end like this. But still, nonetheless, still will be up there as one of the greatest running backs to uh, ever play the game. And definitely, if you're you're able to eliminate the other things, I mean, you can put him up there as one of the greatest ball carriers of all time. Yeah, and and the thing is, is with so many teams needing running backs, I mean, let's make no mistake about it. I see AP being on it. I definitely see him being on somebody's roster next year. And, and, And hopefully this is... Hopefully this has been, I don't want to use, use the term a humbling experience because there's nothing about AP that would suggest that, that he's not humble. That, he, that he's not humbling anymore. Right. But this is an eye-opening experience for, for him. This offseason, I think his focus needs to be on ball security, catching the ball, route running, and first and foremost, pass protection. If he could focus more of his attention on those things, I think that we'll see AP having a full offseason with the team. Uh, especially where he's coming into it. Well, it ain't going to be there. Well, we know we know it's not going to be there, but there, there's a rack of teams yeah. out there who need running backs. There's one team in particular that I can think about, the Green Bay Packers. You're right. All the right? Giants. The Giants need a running back. All right? So I think that if AP is to focus on those things, I think that he would be a better – I think that he would be a better all-around running back. Everybody knows what AP can do with the ball in his hands. One problem that he has with the ball in his hands is that he puts the ball on the ground. And teams, you just can't live with that. You, I mean, you know, no matter how dy- how no, no matter how dynamic of a runner you are, if you're a guy who continues to put the ball on the ground, especially in situations where your team has momentum, and now all of a sudden you've given momentum away, you know, teams just aren't living with that. The one of the games that I got wrong, I only got two games wrong this week. But actually, back to back, um, Bill Saints, and I'm I'm all in on the Saints now. I, uh, the Saints are number two. Or now three, whatever, whichever way you want to call it, they're a top five team in running, which nobody would have ever thought. Here's the thing: if I told you at the beginning of the year the Saints are going to be second in the NFL in rushing, you would say, "Yeah, you know, they picked up Adrian Peterson." Yeah, but like, nah, he has nothing to do with that. Um, matter of fact, since they've gotten rid of Adrian Peterson, they've only gotten better. I mean, like, they're, they're just running, uh, running nonstop, and you know, Drew Brees. Again, we keep saying every week, man, Drew Brees hasn't had that game. Drew Brees hasn't had that game. I mean, they put up 47 points on the board, and Drew Brees threw the ball 25 times. Threw for 184 yards and zero touchdowns. That is so far away from the, the Saints team that we have come to see. 47 points for the Saints, that's not rare. 47 points and zero touchdown passes for Drew Brees, that's rare. You know, th- this is new check. This is a new Saints team. And the thing is, is that I'm a firm believer that Drew Brees still can do it if needed. So if he's able, to, if they're able to get wins without Drew Brees throwing the ball forty times a game, and they actually have a balanced running back, running attack with two different running backs, because they still they're using Ingram and the uh, and the rookie, and um, I'm just saying they even got another guy nine carries. So I mean they're really balanced. Attack. I mean they ran for three hundred yards. I mean one hundred eighty four yards passing for Drew Brees, forty eight rushing attempts for three hundred yards, six different rushing touch, six rushing touchdowns. Like that is a lot of rushing touchdowns. Yeah, it's not the Saints that we're used to seeing, but. Uh, I think that you have to give some credit to to Sean Payton. You know, you have to give a lot of credit to Sean Payton. First and foremost, uh, the Saints organization for the, for the patience that they had with Mark Ingram. 
because I really thought that Mark Ingram was headed to bed, was headed to bed. Like a bust, right. All right, but they continued to show, you know, they, they, they showed some patience with, with Mark Ingram. There's really nothing spectacular about too many of the wide receivers that I see that, that, that Drew Brees has. So what this comes down to, what this comes down to is the great job that Sean Payton is doing with regards to changing up his whole system and how he's going about doing things. Um, I think it's kind of taking a page out of Mike Shanahan's book when he came in and he implemented the read option for RG3's first year, um, something that that RG3 was comfortable with. I think that that um, what Sean Payton has done has, okay, we're going to take the hands out of Drew Brees. Let's take pressure off of Drew Brees. And now they have a run game that can support him. When you have an offensive-minded coach like Sean Payton, okay, who's been around as long as he's been around, and if there's one thing that that Saints offense has shown over the years is that that from an offensive standpoint, they can light you up. Now what he's done is he's gone back to being the Saints from that won the Super Bowl. Now he has he has a run game. And when you have a run game, when you're able to line up with two backs in the backfield, all right, and you have a quarterback like Drew Brees and you have a run game that's working, it is hard as heck for the defense to cover the entire field. Because of the play calling, and you have a quarterback whose pocket presence is phenomenal. He has great pocket presence. Now you add in the extra protector. Now the combination routes, all the different things that the Saints are able to do, is taking pressure off of Drew Brees. And and now the one thing that nobody has really talked about is is for you to be able to run the ball that way, your defense has to be keeping games close enough for you to that's what that's that. that's what I wanted to start with. That's what I wanted to say is that after they got off to an 0-2 start, okay, and they gave it 29 points and 36 points. Since then, Panthers, Panthers, they played the Panthers, gave it 13 points. Dolphins shut them out. That Lions game, they gave up 38 points, but if you remember, that was a lot of that was on offensive turnovers. Yeah. They had a special teams touchdown and a pick, so we're not going to put 38 points on the on the on the on the Saints defense on that one. The Packers they give up 17 points. The Bears 12 points. The Bucks 10 points. Bills 10 points. And this is a this is a team that just two years ago was historically bad, like yes. breaking records, mm-hmm. giving up 500 yard passing weekly, mm-hmm. and, and now they're giving up around 10 points a game. Yeah, and here's the thing about it: and running. They're also a healthy football team. Yeah. That is a healthy football team right now. And it just looks like the Saints who, who, who won the Super Bowl that year. They, they, I mean, they're doing it in all phases of the game. And, and I tell you what, that NFC South, that, that's going to be exciting to watch the remainder of the, uh, the, the remainder of the year because they all play one another. And then the outside opponents that, that, that they, that these guys play. These games are also critical for the playoff position because if you don't win your division, you have to have been in a position when that tiebreaker. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how the NFC South finishes up. Just a month ago, the, we were looking at the Bills, and they beat the Broncos, they beat the Falcons, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Raiders. And we say, you know what? We like this Bills team, man. They, they, they look good. They play, you know, they run the ball. They, 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 they play good defense. They're going to be hard to beat. You know, they, they need to be taken serious. Since then, they lose to the Jets. And then they just get 47 put on them by the Saints. I mean, the Saints were doing whatever they felt like up against this Buffalo team, like night and day. Just, just when you, you know, typical the way the season's going, just when you want to start believing in a team, they out there looking awful. McCoy can't go a lick of nowhere. He wrestles, for, first of all, he gets eight, eight, eight carries, he takes one of them 36 yards, and, and has 49 yards in a day. So essentially, if you eliminate one run, the dude had 13 yards rushing on, on, on seven carries. So, I mean, just went nowhere a whole bunch of times. Uh, 
Calvin Benjamin, I mean, he just got there. So I, I don't know what you expect to work him in. But, I mean, their offense is non-existent. They have no passing game. They don't. They require, and I said, I think I said this last week, I don't really see what Calvin Benjamin is going to do for you. I mean, you see they get rid of him, and Cam just lights it up. Right. So, I mean, you know, if you don't get a passing game for Buffalo, then, then you're, you're pretty much just short. I mean, you're not. You're. I don't think that Buffalo is completely out of the playoff picture yet. Uh, you have to hope that they develop some type of passing game. That if you don't develop a passing game and you're Buffalo, then you have then, then I mean, you're short. You're out of it because although although the Jets uh, didn't win their game, the Jets seem to be a team that they can run the ball and they can pass the ball. And you have to remember that the Jets lost this game and Matt Forte was was out of the game. So if you're Buffalo, man, you you better hope that Calvin Benjamin is the answer because if he's not, then this season will be all for naught. And when you talk about playing in those last two games in December, if you have a home game, you're just going to probably, probably be playing in a whole bunch of snow knowing that that you started out great, things right. were looking promising, only to, to get to a point in the season where everything just falls downhill. Yeah, they, uh, D's bring it up that Sean Payton was on the hot seat just two years ago. Yep, I remember they were asking whether they should get rid of Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. And look at that, now they're back in there at 7-2. and two. Um, Packers-Bears, I uh, don't want to spend too much time here. Um, the Packers got a win. Uh, the Bears, I mean, this is just two teams, that, one of these teams, somebody had to win. And, and it was the Packers. Yeah. I, I don't have much to say about either one of these two teams. Do you? No, I'm just happy the Packers got the win. That's yeah. it. Okay, I did, I told Five you. and four, and they're still in the hunt, baby. Yeah, <laughs> um, and another game, the Browns continue doing what they do, being the Browns, and they go uh, 0-9. The Lions uh, get a win. I mean, you know, it's the Browns, but this isn't a BCS. A win is a win. Whether you beat the Browns or you beat the Patriots, they all count as one. And uh, they got one to stay a lot to, you know, keep pace mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the division in the NFC North. They're trying to keep up with Minnesota. Or, you know, I, I almost want to say Minnesota's gone, so probably in terms of more looking towards the wild card race right now. But um, not much to say here. The, the Browns are the Browns, which is just pathetic and it's ridiculous that this is an NFL franchise um, going all the way up to the top. Again, Golden Tate, man. I love Golden Tate. I think he's so underrated and so good, and he's been that way for years, and nobody uh, ever really talks about him ever. But he's as tough as they come, and he just gets the job done everywhere that he goes. I mean, he's already got 56 receptions and coming up on 700 yards. The the Lions are a team that people have to pay attention to for the simple fact that if you look at all the teams who are fighting for their wild card spot right now, I think the Lions have the easiest schedule by far. They have the easiest schedule by far. So although you're just playing against Cleveland, I think this game kind of started out a little shaky for, for the Lions. Um, you know, this was a good win for them. And the Lions, they're in a situation. All of these teams who are fighting right now, I think they're in situations where they control their own destiny because everybody that's above or, be or below them, you play them. All right? With the exception of the Lions. And so the Lions are going to finish up their last four games of the season are going to be Tampa Bay, very winnable, the Bears, very winnable, the Bengals, and the Packers. Like, that's a hell of a four-game stretch right there. There's no reason for them to not be. And if you want to throw the Ravens game in before that, uh, there's there's no reason to say. I mean, they played the Bears twice, the Ravens, the Bucks, the Bengals, and the Packers. Like, there's no reason. I mean, they can almost win out. I mean, the the they can win out. I think the Lions can win out. I mean, the only tough game down. is that they got that one game against the Vikings. They have that one game against the Vikings, but that one game against the Vikings is a critical game because you have to look at who the Vikings play. You know, the Vikings are doing well right now, but 
all of these all of these teams are playing each other. So this was a big win for the for for the Lions. And if if you could just not lose your mind against the Bears twice, uh, Green Bay, uh, all the other teams that you should beat, and you can go and get that win against Minnesota. Um, you know the Lions are a dangerous team, man. It's a very dangerous team. Um, next game we can go into. Now I think the, I, I think then the Lions should find their way into. They're gonna. I, I do feel like they got a strong chance to steal up one, knock up one of those uh those uh wild card spots. And again, <coughs> a great point is who they have to play down the stretch. In those last four games, I really see them winning all four of those last four games. Um, Titans Bengals. Did you pick? Why, you picked the Bengals. I picked the Bengals. Um, I told you I just don't think the Bengals are a good team. Uh, you predicted a, a big game for AJ Green, which uh he did have. Um. What was his final numbers? Five catches, 115 yards. He had a 70 yard uh, touchdown. Um, again, the Titans just, just, just a bounce, just a, just a, just a solid team at home playing against a team that's not that good. Mm-hmm. Balanced attack, and the Titans are six and three. Mariota, 44 pass attempts, a little bit more than I think he needs to be having. Um, the Derrick Henry, DeMarco Murray show is pretty much turned into. A 50-50 split, almost more heading towards Derrick Henry now, though. Um, but Tennessee is a balanced team. They're going to win their home games. They're going to beat the, the teams that are worse than them. And once in a while, they're going to shock a good team. I don't have much more to say them about yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's really, for, for Tennessee, it's all about Mariota not turning the ball over. Uh, defense keeping the games close enough. Tennessee's been in some wars all season long. Mm-hmm. They've been in close games all season long, so... When you talk about the playoffs rolling around, this team is going to be battle-tested. It looks like they're going to get a home game because it is clearly they're going to win that division. Um, this team is all about defense keeping the game close enough, Mario to not turn the ball over, and that run game uh, just has to get going. Now, as far as Cincinnati is concerned, I thought that A.J. Green would have a big game, um, and I thought that that would be enough to pull them past uh, Cincinnati, but clearly Cincinnati just has problems out there that, that they aren't, they just aren't going to. They never seen the balance. Every week we look at this box score, yeah. and Andy Dalton has twice as many pass attempts as they have running. Yeah. This week he had 35 passing attempts to 13 carries. Yeah, and it's not like it was a situation where where they were getting blown out no. and they had to throw the ball. So no, <coughs> Cincinnati, they just got to figure it out. As far as Tennessee is concerned, you just want to you want to get healthy, you want to remain healthy. And you want to go ahead and finish off these, finish off the, the the regular season strong, knowing that you're the clear favorite to win your division right now. I think Marvin Lewis will be looking for a new job after the season. I think the Marvin the Marvin Lewis that Bengals window, like we always talk about windows, their window was actually open for a pretty long time. Yeah, it was open. Yeah. I mean, they, they, like they had a hell of a window there, and I think that window was is closed. Like it's it, it's closed, and I think right now. If I'm the Bengals, I'm looking around at players like AJ Green, Geno Atkins on defense, um, and a handful of these other guys, and I'm saying we got some talent around here. We got to figure out who we're keeping and who we're building around. You know, we got some once in a I mean, somebody like AJ Green is a once in a lifetime type of guy. You know, you got to figure out how we're going to maximize, and we got to make sure this doesn't turn into a Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson sort of thing, where a guy just spends his whole entire career just out there doing absolute, absolutely nothing. So we need to figure out what we're going to do, whether we're going to build around him or maybe even trade him and get a lot for him. You know, who knows what you're going to do? But um, that window's closed, and I, and I don't think Andy Dalton is the answer. Yeah, I think if a switch is made, the switch would be made with Andy Dalton, opposed to um, 
for to Marvin Lewis, but hey, we we never know. You've been calling for Marvin Lewis' job since the beginning of the season, so it, it, it's more than I, I just feel like it, it's it's the same song and dance now, and I feel like they're light years behind where they were just two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like two years ago, they were running through that division, and the, which was you know you can make an argument for the best division of football. <coughs> you know what I mean? And they were winning by two or three games, mm-hmm. and uh, and everything looked bright. Now it doesn't look bright now. It, it doesn't look bright mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, Steelers Colts for most of this game the Colts were actually up and we're trying to figure out damn what happened to the Steelers uh, but the Steelers in the end pull it out um, and they're now 7-2 um, even though the Steelers are 7-2 which is a great record and that's all you, you could ask to be I still don't get the feeling that it's like this dominant Steelers team if not there's something going on over there with, with, with the offensive coordinator um I don't know if they're just trying to focus and, and feed Le'Veon, you know, Bell the ball. Le'Veon? Le'Veon Bell the ball. Um, but for me, it started with the whole Antonio Brown recording in the locker room. Last year. It just, bring, it just brings a, a negative aura over you. But as far as I'm concerned, this is the most dangerous team in the AFC right here. I mean, they got weapons. This is the most dangerous team in the AFC. Because just like you said that Drew Brees hasn't had that explosive game. The Pittsburgh Steelers has not had that explosive game either. We know that at any point in time, this team can light the scoreboard up. So this is really just a situation for Pittsburgh. Just continue to win games. And regardless of how bad they're playing, they're still in the race for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So in a division where they're the clear-cut favorites. Just just two years ago, we were doing a preview show. And um, I remember it was me, DJ, and TJ. And we're, we're looking at the Colts. And we're trying to find games that they might lose. At the beginning of the season, we're like, they might be 14-2. They might be 16-0. Like, you know, this, this is, the future was so bright. Andrew Luck was there. T.Y. Hilton was there. You know, every, everything just looked so bright. They had just picked up Andre Johnson. Mm-hmm. They had um, Dante Moncrief. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, man, you know, the, 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 the Colts, the future is bright. You know, they, they lucked up. They, they went from the Peyton Manning era. They only had to sit out one year. Then they got Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck, I think, won 10 games first year, 11 games second year, mm-hmm. 11 games third year. Each year he won a playoff game. And they're saying, man, their future is bright. And I'm looking at the Colts right now, and they look, they look like the Browns almost. Yeah. I mean, you still talking about life after Peyton Manning. They, they cannot protect the quarterback to save his life. They, you're, re, you're rebuilding your franchise. They're still trying to rebound. Re, they're still trying to rebound from the whole Peyton Manning era. You thought that you had, um, um, you know, you thought you had your quarterback of the franchise, but Peyton Manning, in my opinion, had his own system out there. Mm-hmm. All right, he had his own system. He had a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball, um, and and I think that the protection that he had. Look at the veterans that you know. Saturday was his center. Mm-hmm. All right. As far as the Colts are concerned, you know, they're just rebuilding their franchise. And, and it's unfortunate. It's, it's really unfortunate for me. The guy that's unfortunate the most for is Frank Gore. You know, I, I, I would love to see Frank Gore go to a team that, and I said this last week, that he can compete. Um, but with that said, um, the Colts are just irrelevant. If you're a guy on that team, you're pretty much playing for stats. If you're a free agent, you're playing to get a contract and hope that another team, especially a team who's actually going to compete, uh, believes that you can come in and help them win because I mean, if you're the coach, this has to be disappointing for you. You're in a you're in a division with the Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. Houston Texans lose Watt and Watson. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars, you really have no idea what you're going to get from them. Um, <clears throat> and the Tennessee Titans right now are favored in that division. You have to be disappointed that that 
you can't take advantage of the fact that everybody else in your division is hurt and banged up, but yet you still can't even compete. So people have to look at it. You said it best. You know, the Indianapolis Colts are like the Cleveland Browns. And to be honest with you, I mean, D, that's exactly I, – I agree with you 100% on it. Here's my philosophy on that, and follow me with this one. They made the same mistake <clears throat> twice, and they got they got the gift and the curse twice in both of their quarterbacks. Now follow me with this. They had Peyton Manning for 10-plus years, 14, 15 years. Peyton Manning was everything. You just – it's like the LeBron. Here's a package. You get the Peyton Manning package, and with the Peyton Manning package comes an offensive coordinator. You get all these plays. You get a guy who just runs everything, and then boom, he, he runs everything. He's all he's a one-stop shot. You put Peyton Manning in, you're guaranteed 10 wins, no questions asked. And they say, great. Now what happens with that, Peyton Manning goes out for one. He never goes out. Then he misses one year, and you guys are literally – the worst team in football, right? You think you would learn. You say, man, maybe we should put more around than just... So what do they do? They double back again. Andrew Luck, one-stop shopping. We got everything in the Andrew Luck basket. You know, this one guy, we get this guy, boom. We get 10 wins, 11 wins, 11 wins. Andrew Luck by himself is worth 11 wins. You know, we, everything is in the Andrew Luck basket. We, the whole team is what the Colts know. The Colts went from Peyton Manning. They were Peyton Manning, and then they were Andrew Luck. So it really wasn't a team. It was Peyton Manning. He's the offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. Then, boom, now Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck is the offense coordinator. Andrew Luck is this. You know, every problem we have, don't worry, Andrew Luck will cover that up. We don't have running. Don't worry, Andrew Luck will cover that up. Offense line is not good. Don't worry, we'll hide that behind Andrew Luck. Defense is not good. Don't worry, Andrew Luck will solve that. And then, boom, Andrew Luck goes down. And then, once again, it's like you're right back in the same thing you were when you lost Peyton Manning. It's like once you eliminate Peyton Manning, the Colts weren't good. Once you eliminate Andrew Luck, the Colts weren't good. You know what I mean? So, it's like they're not even building a football team. They're just you get a franchise quarterback and call it a day. You know what I mean? So then when you look up, I mean, Peyton Manning, the degree, he had Marvin Harrison as your J. He had stars. The Andrew Luck thing, now he's gone. It looks like the Andrew Aaron Rodgers thing. These are just guys out there. Like, he's just out there playing with guys. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so it's like they weren't building a team. They were just the Andrew Luck show. And so listening to, so having this conversation about the Colts is why I have the frame of mind that I have as far as looking at the Washington Redskins and saying that I like the way they're building that team. You have a quarterback, but he's not your franchise quarterback because you haven't committed to him being your franchise quarterback. So what do you do? You build a team. You say, okay, well, hey, he wants the big money. We're going to go ahead and let him go out there and control the offense. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you're going to win and lose with the group that we give you. Okay, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to invest our money in the defense, and I think that that's what the Redskins have done. They invested their money in the defense. So although you don't know who your franchise quarterback is, you don't have a franchise running back, you don't have a franchise tight end, and you do not have a franchise wide receiver. All right? Sounds exactly like the Colts. All right? But the difference between what the Redskins are doing and what the Colts and the Browns is that the Redskins are saying, hey, all right, well, we don't know what our quarterback situation is going to be, but you know what's going to help our franchise to, 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 to stay above water that's going to help us to breathe is we're going to have Norman. We're going to have Swearinger. All right, they got Breeland out there. They did a great job of building that team from a defensive standpoint. So if you're the Colts and you're rebuilding and you don't know what's going to take place with Andrew Luck, I would say stop focusing on trying to get that franchise quarterback. And if you actually want to save your franchise, and I'm, I'm really mean to save your franchise, right. 
you go out there and you build a defense that's going to allow you. Because look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars did. Mm-hmm. The Jacksonville Jaguars have one of the best defenses in the National Football League. So although they're struggling at the quarterback position, guess what they do have? They have a franchise running back. It's easier to because because what happens? Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Their backup isn't a backup. Like you know. New England, New England, which is, and you don't want, and I'm not saying this to take anything away from Tom Brady, because Tom Brady is great and he's in a debate. But New England is a system. When, when, when Tom Brady goes down, the next guy goes in and tries to emulate what Tom Brady does. Mm-hmm. Belichick has built a system. This is what we do. We run it this way. The defense does this. The offense does that. And the next guy, he's not Tom Brady, but he steps in and he operates. The, there's no system behind Drew. Drew Brees goes down. That, there is no system. He's the system. Mm-hmm. And Peyton Manning went down. There was no, Oh God, the backup guy. You, you get in there, just do what Peyton Manning does. I can't do what Peyton Manning does. He calls all the plays. He runs the entire offense. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, oh, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, go down. You don't just say, uh, Brad, uh, Chet, whatever, Henley, go in there and be Aaron Rodgers. I'm not Aaron Rodgers. Can't do what Aaron Rodgers does. And when you look around, the Packers have not built a team. There's just a bunch of guys in Aaron Rodgers, yeah. right? So when this guy goes out, you know, there's nothing you can do. The, the Patriots have built a team. When Tom Brady goes out and they say, we're going to miss Tom Brady for four games, five games, they say, okay, the guy can come in and he can do, he can do, he's not going to be Tom Brady, but we're going to play good defense. We're going to win the possession battle. We're going to make short plays. We're going to make short passes. We're going to control the clock. And this is what we're going to do. These other teams haven't built a team. Yeah. They're just, they're just one man shows. Yeah. And then when that one man goes down, you are the Browns. But and that's what happens when you try to when you try to take a formula that somebody else somebody else used and you try to implement that formula, but yet you don't have the details of that formula, you're destined to fail. So yes, the New England Patriots have a franchise quarterback, but people have to remember that when Tom Brady came in and he became the starter, you know what he had around him? He had one of the best defenses in the National Football League. So the way that organization is being built, the way that franchise is being built, um, you know, of course, Coach Belichick is going to get the credit because he should get the credit. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the GOAT, the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, what you have to do is take a pay. If if you're going to take his formula, you know his formula is defense. If you have a good, solid defense on your team, all right, that can keep you in games close enough. Now you had that can keep you in games, keep you relevant until you're able to build those offensive pieces, like I believe the Redskins are, are, are in the process of doing. Um, you know that's what that's what the Colts are right now. So the Colts, I would say, as far as they're concerned, you have to build defense. Look at the, look at that division, the Houston Texans. Before they had Watson, what was everybody hanging their hat on when they're talking about Houston Texans? They were hanging their hat on their defense. The Jacksonville Jaguars, for the past few years, it's always been they have a nice defense, but they don't have a passing game. But they remain relevant. Why? Because they have a solid defense. And if you're the Cleveland Browns and you're the Indianapolis Colts, I would say focus less on on trying to figure out who your franchise quarterback is going to be because you can. I don't care who you bring in there. You can sign a guy that you think is your franchise quarterback, but if you don't have people to protect him, then he's he's going to be a nobody. I agree. Um, Jets Bucks um, in a game of I mean no Jameis Winston no Mike Evans uh, essentially they've removed uh, Doug Martin I don't know what they, they got going on with him um, I mean he got 20 carries this game but just just doesn't seem to be uh, in, the, in the plays that matter it seems like he's not out there on the field yeah. which is kind of odd and down the stretch in the fourth quarter he's not out there on the field um, the Jets though <coughs> Fitzpatrick goes up against his old team Completes 50% of his passes. Once, I mean, he's a mediocre quarterback who played mediocre. This is just two teams 
not really going anywhere as far as I'm concerned. The Jets, I thought the Jets are a better team than Tampa is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Tampa wanted to come out and show some fight and show that they could win without Jameis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I said last week that I thought Tampa's season was over, and I'm sticking by that. I thought the Jets were a little bit better team than Tampa. Um, I don't really have much to say about this game one way or the other. No, I think this game just really came down to to what I, I thought was the heart and soul of, of this Tampa Bay team was their defense. And their defense came out there and stopped the Jets team that was without Matt Forte. But at the end of the day, um, this team looked more controlled this week. The team looked more mm-hmm. controlled. Mm-hmm. All right. And with with them being more controlled, they were able to come away with the win. Quite frankly, if Jameis Winston was playing, I don't think they would beat the Jets. All right. I don't think they would have beat the Jets, but I saw uh, Fitzpatrick come in there and he, he, I'll tell you what, the passes he completed was some good passes. Yes, he missed a couple of guys, but, but he was calm. He was composed. And at the end of the day, the Tampa Bay defense did their job. Uh, the Jets, hopefully they can get Matt Forte back because I'm, I'm still not sure, but I mean, they're still in the playoff. They're still in the playoff hunt. Although they're sitting at four and six. When you look at what's taking place in Green Bay's division, you look at what's really if you look at what's taking place in in, in the uh, AFC South, I believe with Tennessee, uh, Houston, uh, those teams, you know the Jets at four or six can still legitimately fight for a wild card. Jets right? are done. I'm. They're still mathematically. They're, 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 they got. They already got six losses. And they still have the Chiefs, Broncos, Saints, Jesus, Patriots. That's done. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not looking. I'm not going. I'm not looking past this week, and I'm saying the Jets them, still have a shot. Them dudes is done. They still uh, have a shot. Them dudes are done. Um, Vikings Redskins. Yeah. Um, it says thirty-eight to thirty here. I, I don't feel like the game was that close. Um, the Vikings <coughs> just seemed to just go down the field, go down the field, go down the field. Just kept going down the field mm-hmm. at at will on the uh, on the Reds at the Redskins, and I and I heard. Um, Matt Hasselback was talking on ESPN, and he says, you know, it, it, the Bridgewater story is a great story, and everybody's, you know, he came back from an injury, and everybody liked him. He seems like he's a great kid and all of that, but let's not make him Drew Brees in terms of, like, you know, when he comes back, he just automatically deserves his job. And like Matt Hasselback says, is, you know, I, no, no knock on Bridgewater, but Case Keenum is playing good football, and... He's like, you know, this five or six game stretch that he's had. Um, he's like, Bridgewater didn't do this in any of his five or six games. I mean, the team is the team is sitting at seven and two. He just finished throwing for three hundred yards with four touchdowns, and and I kind of agree with him. Like, I mean, Bridgewater, you're healthy, and that's great, and you can get better. And if Case Keenum gets hurt, then you know it'll be great to have you in there. But I don't, I don't, I'm not in any rush to to abandon Case Keenum right now. I mean, he's got 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, completing 65% of his passes, and on a winning team. You know, I said coming into this game that I hope they played Bridgewater. I think it would have benefited the Redskins more had they played Bridgewater. With that said, if if you're Bridgewater, um, you know, the only way you're playing this year is if Casey Keenum get hurt, gets hurt the way he's playing. And I think Bridgewater just has to accept the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are in a great position. Mm-hmm. You have two quarterbacks on your roster. I believe both of them are free agents at the end of this year. And and that's the great problem to have right now. And if you're Casey Keenum, for you, dude, it's just really up to – I mean, he was 21 for 24, He was 21 for 29, two interceptions. One of those picks, I don't know what he was thinking about. <laughs> um, I think that he was trying to get Kyle Rudolph. He was trying to force one in there. That's what I was seeing. It was just an overthrow. 
But if you're the Minnesota Vikings and you're a fan of the Minnesota Vikings, you have to love this. Mm-hmm. The Vikings did what they wanted to do with the Redskins. Yes, they did. And and I listened to the radio and everybody was so pat the Redskins on the back for for going up to Seattle and oh we were so injured and oh it was a game that okay well you you played can you duplicate that week after week and see that's the problem with the Redskins. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, you go up and you beat a Seattle team. That Seattle offense is not better than this Minnesota Vikings offense. Them wide receivers gave the Redskins secondary I the blues. Remember. Yes, you were talking about um, the whole house here was talking about uh, what's his name? Uh, Thielen? Yeah. Thielen was, was, was given Josh Diggs and Thielen was given Norman the blues. But check this out, though. They had no answer for Diggs. Diggs almost had 200 yards received in the first quarter. Easily. Easily could have had 200 yards in the first quarter. But here's where Casey Keenum. Some of those passes that Thielen caught, Norman was right there. The quarterback, Casey Keenum, he put the ball in the only place that you could put it in. All right? This this Vikings team, this is a dangerous team, man. This is a dangerous Because now what you're saying is we got Stephon Diggs on, the, on one side. We got Thielen on the other side who runs both guys who are who run great routes. Who've shown that they can catch the ball? All you have to do is throw the ball in their vicinity. Then you have Kyle Rudolph at the tight end spot, and then you got two or three different running backs back there, and they're only dropping back and throwing the ball twenty nine times. They ran the ball down the Redskins' throat. That's what took place. They ran the ball down the Redskins' throat. And if you're a Redskins fan, uh, you you have to ask yourself, all right, why hasn't Harris been active all year long? I never heard of the dude. I've never heard of the dude. <laughs> so when he but, that, so, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm watching the game with you, and I said, like, "Who was that?" You know, you're like, you know, a guy off the practice squad. Never heard of the dude, mm-hmm. and he goes out there, and I mean, he he seemed more productive in that one game than 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 um prior prior, prior yeah, <laughs> prior, yeah. It's been all year. But you see, here's the thing about it: is everybody's going to look at that one catch, and of course, you should look at that catch. Okay. But I'm looking at throughout the course of the game, just his energy, mm-hmm. his passion out there. He was playing like a guy that was just locked in a cage the whole time, that was on punishment, whose parents basically said, "Hey, you can go outside and play now." And he was out there. He was excited. He was in. He was involved on run blocking. Uh, he's clearly a better route runner than Terrell Pryor. He just brings you more than Terrell Pryor brings you. Uh, the Washington Redskins, man, offensively. You know, they're hurting. You don't have a running back. Robert Kelly's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Now you're looking at the fact that you got rid of Matt Brown. All right? You let Matt Brown go. Now you're down to P. Ryan and, and Chris Thompson as your two running backs. When, realistically, I, you know, the, the smart thing to probably would have been to do would be to get rid of Pryor. Because you already knew that, okay, uh, P. Ryan has a hand. Robert Kelly was already hurt. Um, Terrell Pryor is just showing that as a wide receiver for this year that he's a bust. Um, but the Redskins this week, you know, last week I, I kept going back and forth because I was really trying to find a reason yep, why the Redskins could win this game. Mm-hmm. And I picked the Vikings in this game. Um, You're trying to talk yourself into it. I, I, was try- you. I was trying to because I want the Redskins to win this game, and I know how important it is for them to win this game. But but with all the pats on the back that they were receiving for going up there to Seattle and being in a team in their stadium when history shows that you do a great job within a regular season going and beating that team. But can you duplicate that performance as a defense time in and time out? And that's something that the Redskins have not proven. They have not proven that that they can be a consistent team. This defense has not shown that it can be a defense that can come out there and just stop people uh, week in and week out. Where are we 
today on the weekly What Are We Doing With Kirk Cousins Simon. Uh, I think this whole Kirk Cousins thing, I, I just think everybody needs to stop talking about it until the end of the year because nothing is going to get done until the end of the year. I mean, that's really what it comes down I, I, to. I feel like for the past two years now, the more we play, the more games we see, the more Kirk Cousins we get, we're in the same position. Like, I, I don't, like, for the last three years, it's been, oh, you know what, we're going to play, let him play one more year, and then we'll see where we are after that year. And the way, if I asked you, if you were a Kirk Cousins fan at the beginning of the year and asked you the end of the year, you feel the exact same way. If you didn't think Kirk Cousins was good enough at the beginning of the year and asked you at the end of the year, you still think that. You know what? We're going to give him another year. It's the second year. See how he does. And then after the year, we'll figure it out. Goes, plays almost the identical season. Then it's like, oh, uh, you know, not really sure if we want a long term. It's good enough. Not sure if he's that good. Like, I feel like you could do that forever for the rest of his career. Like, if you're waiting for him to be Drew Brees, that's not going to happen. But if you're waiting for him to be Jamarcus Russell, like, that's not going to happen either. You know, so it's like, I feel like we're just going to be stuck in this limbo for every, the people who like Kirk Cousins are going to say he's playing good enough. And the people who don't like him are going to bring up every time he throws an interception or he does that. And I think Kirk Cousins just shows you who he is. And it's like sooner or later, the Redskins fans and the Redskins management and the ownership need to just say, this is what the guy is. Do you want him or you don't want him? Like, plain and simple. And, cause all you're doing is one, is building a rocky relationship every year. You keep doing this one year franchise tag thing and not really buying into him. We've heard at this offseason last year, he was already over. Just like, yo, I'm sick of this. I don't, I don't want to be here. If you don't believe in me, da, da, da. And, um, the truth of the matter is that Kirk Cousins probably is somewhere in that, on a good day, the ninth best quarterback in the NFL, on a bad day, the 16th best quarterback in the NFL, you know what I mean? Like, he's capable of having 400-yard games with three touchdowns. I mean, he's he doesn't ever really have these just god-awful games where you're like, who is this guy? He's I mean, he's not Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the truth is, I mean, are, is he going to be the reason you win the Super Bowl? No, maybe five quarterbacks are. It's good enough if the, if the team is good enough. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he's just a guy on a team that's not overly talented. Um... Really, I think we're finding, when you factor in that Terrell Pryor is the biggest offseason acquisition, and he obviously apparently wants nothing to do with him because, I mean, he won't even look his direction anymore. This guy is getting down to zero targets, zero playing time. So, I mean, you get rid of that. So, essentially, you know, we got rid of Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, uh, Jordan Reed is just not healthy and probably never going to be healthy. And then, again, like I, you hear me say on the show all the time about Aaron Rodgers, he's just playing with guys. For the most part, the Redskins offensive players are just guys for the most, for the most part. They're just NFL players. You know what I mean? Like, they're good. They're nothing special about any of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kirk Cousins is what Kirk Cousins is. And, and, um, you know, I, I think Redskins, I think if you're the Redskins, their biggest fear is you let him go. And then what happened to Drew Brees does happen. You know, the, the Chargers, if you pull up, I'm willing to bet if you pull up Drew Brees' numbers in San Diego, and Kirk Cousins' numbers in Washington. Washington's, Kirk Cousins' numbers are probably better than what Drew Brees are. So if you're Washington, what you fear is that you let him go, <clears throat> and then he flossoms into some league MVP somewhere else, and he's winning Super Bowls, and you're, and you're stuck here with no quarterback. Now, is there a possibility of that? Yeah. Or you could just sign him and sign yourself up for six, seven years of slightly above average quarterback play. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But whatever it is, do it. Figure it out. Whatever you want to do, do it. It's a tough situation for the Skins. Um, I think what they're de- I think what the Redskins franchise is dealing with is the result of not pulling the trigger 
and giving Kurt that four or five year deal earlier. And I believe Scott McCoy was calling for that. Um, you know, you made a huge mistake there. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I don't want to have to keep listening. I don't want to have to keep listening and hearing about RG3. And that's the reality is that a lot of fans in this era, in this area, they still think that RG3 is a good quarterback or RG3, if given a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh chance, would be <laughs> a good quarterback. And that's just the reality is that he's not. All right. With that said, if Kirk Cousins wants to be paid the type of money that you would pay a, a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, then he needs to produce the same results as a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. Now, from a Redskins perspective, hey, make him an offer at the end of the year, and if he doesn't want the offer, then be gone right. with him. Continue right. to invest that money in, in, in getting the other positions that you need so that when you bring a quarterback in here, that quarterback can have some success. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you think that as the Washington Redskins that you're going to give all, you're going to give pretty much all your money to Kirk Cousins, and then you're just going to give him a bunch of nobodies around him and expect him to have success, he's showing you that that's, that's not going to happen. Right. Yes, yes, Kirk make good throws, but the fact of the matter is you can't keep having uh, interceptions in certain in bad situations. You can't continue to not pull the trigger when guys are open. Um, and, and he, while I see Curtis getting better as far, especially when it comes to running the ball, you know, as far as, you know, just nothing is there. Let me just go ahead and take off and run. He's getting better with that. But if you want that type of money, you have to prove that if you are without your, your first or second string wide receiver, that you're good enough to get us over that. And I think that that's what the, the, the frustration is with the Redskins fans, those who are hard on Kirk Cousins. It's like, hey, okay, well, look, we like you, but you're not worth the type of money that Aaron Rodgers or... But, or, but, or the, and then, but then it becomes, well, all right, well, what are you going to do? Because I agree. I think if you're, if, you're, if you're the Redskins management amongst yourself, you come up with a number that you're willing to pay, whether that's 19, 20, 15, 17, 23, and you guys come together the three guys in charge, you know, the owner, the coach, you know, this is what we're going for. Mm -hmm. And you say, Kurt, this is the number. You can either live with it or you can't. But you have to, the, the back and forth, back and forth, has to stop. This is the number, so we're willing to pay you. Mm -hmm. And if he let him make his decision, mm -hmm. and if he says, no, guys, that's not enough, then you live with yourself and you say, you know, it's been real, we appreciate it, yes. and, 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 we'll, and we'll look elsewhere. But you, you just can't keep going in the limbo. And I'm not even, like... It might be it, it might be an unrepairable relationship. Kirk Cousins might just be like, screw you guys. You know what I mean? Like you guys didn't believe in me. I, I I did. I gave you four years, and every year you treated me like you know. You guys keep talking about this ghost of RG three that I keep hearing about, and you know, good luck to you. And which he has every right to believe. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure. That, you know, maybe he wants to go to San Fran and and, and be with Shanahan, who wants him and who does believe in him. And you know, good luck to both of them. To him, I would say, don't you know? Because I, I I would almost say the same thing to Kirk. Like I don't. Like, I don't think Kurt's this great quarterback where it's like wherever he goes next year, it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no, things aren't great here, but it, like, will all Kirk, Kirk Cousins' problems be solved if he ends up on the 49ers next year? I don't think so. I don't think all his problems will be solved, but I think that you would put it this way. If Kirk Cousins goes to the San Francisco 49ers, he's, I mean, his, I think that his numbers are going to be better. Uh, he's going to be in a system where he's familiar with the offensive coordinator. The offense, the head. I'm sorry, the head coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, his father happened to draft him, you know. So he's playing for a family name that had the confidence in him to draft him from day one. From day one. So, you know, if you're the Redskins, I'm I'm saying, hey, don't worry about 
don't worry about the backlash from the fans if you let Kirk Cousins go. Because everybody in Washington is so But big. also don't worry about the backlash about if you if you let Kirk Cousins stay. Well no Because I, I mean, think that's also in their mind. Like well, I think just as much as they're scared of him going and being <coughs> successful somewhere, mm-hmm. I think they're equally scared of him staying here, getting paid and not doing anything, you know? I agree with I agree with you on that, but that's why it goes back to the point that you said, Hey, this is a number that we're willing to work right. for you. All right. So you listen, this is what we believe, all right? If we give you this amount that you want, this is going to crip, this is going to cripple our franchise. You have already proven that you are not the type of quarterback who can go out here and perform like a Tom Brady or perform like an Aaron Rodgers where you don't have all the pieces in play, but you are that main piece that gets us over the hump. Kirk Cousins is not that quarterback. With that said, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. I also think that he's put in a bad situation by not having a blocking tight end, not having a running back, and not having a fullback. And not even having good receivers. Now. I mean, now you don't have any receivers. <laughs> right. you know? So you can also look at that. That's why I say, hey, if Kirk Cousins was to go to San Francisco, I think Kirk Cousins would, would, would play significantly better because he has more weapons around him. Um, with that said, offer Kirk Cousins a number at the end of the year. I don't know if you franchise Kirk Cousins. Can't you know, everybody him. keeps talking about the whole, well, maybe you franchise him and you make a trade with the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, that's fine and well, but how is the, uh, <clears throat> how much money are you going to have to put towards the, the, the quarterback position? Because if you do the whole Kirk Cousins for Garoppolo, then now you're right back in the same yep. situation you have with Kirk yep. Cousins. Now you just have three new friends. You have three more franchise tags for another quarterback. And now you haven't put that money into your defense. You haven't put that money into getting a tight end. You haven't put that money into getting a fullback. You haven't put that money into getting a veteran running back. And you still haven't, you answered, and you're, and you haven't even and answered your quarterback. And you, and you haven't invested any money at the wide receiver position. And go just like you just said, and you still haven't answered any questions. I think right now the best thing for the Washington Redskins and Kirk Cousins is at the end of the year, let's evaluate what Kirk is. Offer Kirk Cousins a number and also have a plan for Kirk Cousins. Okay, we we want to go after this wide receiver. We want to get this type of tight end in here. We want to get this type of full. We want to get this type of fullback in here. We want to get this type of running back. Because if it's one thing that Kirk Cousins does have, in my opinion, if it's one thing that he has, I think that he has like a top five, top six offensive line when those guys are healthy. So you can go to another team that may have those offensive weapons, but if you don't have those guys up right, front, it don't even matter. then now it really doesn't matter. So as far as the Redskins are concerned, man, um, they're still in it. Uh, the Redskins control their own destiny. They just have to win out. Um, I think they can probably afford to lose one more game, and that game would have to be against the Saints, but then you would have to hope that the Saints uh, finish off and win their division. But for the Redskins fans, it's just a matter of just – you, look, you control your own destiny. Either, either, either those players on defense are really as good as they think they are, or they're not, and that's what it's going to come down to. And I said this for the last two years: the Redskins' success is going to come down to is that defense a top ten defense in the National Football League, and that's what it's going to come down to. Redskins are done. Um, <laughs> done. As, as you start look, as I start looking at teams like like you said, the Saints or the Panthers, one of those teams is going to win the, the, this conference, and one of them is getting a playoff. Is, is getting a wild card berth. Um, I feel like um, Detroit and uh, excuse me, uh, Minnesota and um, I feel like Minnesota and Detroit. One of them is going to win the division, and one of them is going to get a, a, a one, and not only that, Seattle and and the Rams. Like I look at that one, Seattle. And the Rams, one of them's going to win the division, one of them's going to get a wild card spot. Redskins and these other random teams down there, you're done. 
Um, Chargers, Jags. Jags just doing what they do, playing defense, hoping uh, keeping the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands as much as possible, and and beating uh, bad teams. Yeah, I mean, as far as this game. I mean, Blake Burroughs threw the ball 51 times, which was always going to lead to two interceptions. But uh, the Jags came back and beat. I mean, they were actually spent most of this game down, if, I'm, if, I, if, I, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. this, this yeah. was a good game. This was, was a good, good game. Football yeah, game. all the way went down to overtime. They yeah. got to kick the field goal. Um, and uh, it came down to uh, Jacksonville had the first drive. San Diego gets the ball. I believe it was a punt. Then Phillip Rivers throws the interception, which right. run back to like I believe inside the ten or something like that. Jacksonville is one of those teams that you know they have a good defense. A good defense and you know, a good they, running back. They have a good defense. They have a good run back. Where they have a good running back. Um, what it really comes down to for Jacksonville is 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 are you going to beat out Tennessee in your division? And what does the remainder of your schedule look like? So, really not much there. Uh, Chargers are done. Um, I know you're gonna tell me that they're still they're still possible. Oh no, I'm not Chargers are done. Okay. Um Texas Rams. Rams keep moving. Seven and two. Texans are done. <coughs> yeah, Texans are definitely done. Um and once once his name went down, that was the end of the Now you, you, you asked me this question about team to beat in the NFC. Mm-hmm. All right. If mm-hmm. I had to go with a team if I'm gonna hop off of the whole Seattle thing, mm-hmm. if there was a team that I would go with, and I and I say, okay, I think that this is the team to beat in the NFC, I would go with the Rams, for the fact that Sean McVay, his over the Eagles, over the Eagles, because I really? think, I think that I'm saying it because of this. I said that the Rams' success is going to be based on who he brings in as his defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Rams' defense has been putting, they have been putting it on people. And the Rams are just going to get better. The Rams just continue to get better week in and week out. Um, I really think that when you're looking at the NFC, I would take the Rams over the Eagles. I would definitely take the Rams over the Eagles. Um, although, hey, don't get me wrong, Carson Wentz is playing, is playing lights out. Yes, he is. He is playing lights out. Yes, he but is. You look at the weapon. I think the Rams definitely have more weapons than than Eagles are deep, man. Eagles, Eagles are deep. But the Eagles are deep. Todd Gurley alone is better than all of the running backs put together. That, that <laughs> absolutely, I would agree with you there. And okay. the, Todd Gurley is definitely better than all three. All whatever how many men they have. You put look at no, I, I, I look, I look at that. Tavon Austin as a guy in the slot. He can do more. Uh, with the ball in his hands than any wide receiver that the Eagles have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you Sammy look at Sammy Watkins, Watkins. Robert Woods. All right. You look at, you look at Sammy Watkins. You look at Robert Woods. The, the advantage offensively that the Eagles have to me is that they just have a better tight end. But you look at both of the quarterbacks, both of the quarterbacks are playing lights out this year. So mm-hmm. what's going to come down to me is I'm going to take, I'm going to take, uh, Wade Phillips and his experience and the way that he has his defense playing over, over what the Eagles are doing. That's not a bad argument. That's not a bad argument because, I mean, when you break it down like this, yes, just on the surface, I would say the Eagles are deeper. But when you break it down, yes, Gurley is better than any of their running backs. Um, the Watkins, Woods, Austin, uh, I think Alshon <coughs> Jeffries, um, Nelson Aguilar, and Troy Smith, that's a formidable bunch. Uh, none of those three guys are as explosive as Tavon Austin or Sammy Watkins or Woods. I think they might... They might be more sturdy and, and you know, sot and you know, bigger on paper and stuff like that. But Austin and, and, and Watkins are weapons, like game changing weapons. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so yeah, not and and then you, like you said, the Rams defense. The Rams, I, I don't have a problem with that. Saying that the Rams are the team to beat, 
That that they the only problem, and they both have the same problem, is that we don't golf or Wentz haven't played in that playoff football. That's a whole different animal. And so you know both of them still have to earn those playoff uh, stripes. So, but they're that they're in the same boat. But you know what? Wentz strikes me as a guy that he can care less if it's the, if it's the playoffs or not. Like I put it this way, these are two quarterbacks that right now I don't think that that uh, these are two guys that that. Reminds me of, of, of Christy and Marissa. When you talk about when those girls were, were freshmen at the University of Maryland. It didn't matter, it didn't matter if it was, if it was practice, if it was an exhibition, if it was regular season, if, 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 if it was the, the, the ACC tournament game. or the national championship game. At the end of the day, those two girls just showed up and just balled out. They did what they did. That's how Wentz and, and Golf, those, that's how those guys strike me. Wentz just, just, he has total control of that Philadelphia. He is the leader of that Philadelphia team. You look at Golf, going from what he went through last year to now you have a young offensive coordinator that you can relate to, a guy who has put you in, 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 in so many positions to be successful. Um, I, I don't really think that the playoff atmosphere is going to be something that's going to affect them. And you have to look at it. that These are two teams that if they finish playing the way that they're playing, uh, both of these teams are going to have first-round buys and, and host playoff games. So um, <clears throat> so when it comes to the Rams, man, I, I, I like what the Rams are doing. It's just a matter of finishing it out. Like John Carlos says, that what about the offensive line? The Phillies offensive line is, is sick, which it is. Philly offensive line is very good. Yeah, but you lost your best tackle right. of the year. Right. You lost your best tackle for the year. So now that's where the whole Wade Phillips thing is coming into play. Cam Newton and that offense was running through everything, everybody, until they came up against a Wade Phillips defense. Now, granted, you don't have a Miller on your defense, all right? But what you do have is a coach that put Miller in those positions to be as successful and dominant as he as he has been. Um, Cowboys, Falcons. If they want to make this, I'm sure they're going to say, Zeke didn't play, blah, blah, blah. The way I, the Falcons beat them, and I, I don't think that had anything to do with Zeke, me personally. I mean, they still ran the ball 21 times for 170 yards. Alfred Morris ran 11 times. For, I mean, he averaged five yards a carry, right? I mean, is he, I mean nobody here is going to say that he's Ezekiel Elliott. He's not. But, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott wasn't a 20-point difference. Um, and they lost – They lost. the Falcons lost Devontae Freeman. They, that was one of the things uh, – that you, that you watched in Atlanta, like we, when you have Coleman and Freeman, who are basically one and one A, mm -hmm. you know, Freeman went down and he got, uh, concussed. We hear when that happened and we were like, hey, he looks woozy over there. Coleman came in and didn't even skip a beat. Yeah. Um, which just speaks to what I've been saying for years. Matt Ryan is so blessed with talent over there that it's not even funny mm -hmm. that you can lose a guy like Devontae Freeman and not even miss a beat because the backup running back is equally as good. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> like, that's how talented that team is over there. This this had nothing to do with Zeke being out. This Atlanta defense just flat out got after the Cowboys offense. Uh, you know, Prescott, Prescott was 20, he was 20 for 30, but, I mean, he was being times. harassed the entire game. This Falcons team just showed up to play football. I mean, I don't, Dallas just didn't have a chance, man. I mean, yes, they got out to the 7-3 lead in the first quarter, but after that first quarter, man, Atlanta just put it on them. And, and, and I said this, I said this about AJ Green and also said this about Julio Jones. I thought that the Falcons were going to win this game because I thought that Julio was going to come in and play a lights out game. But when you sit here, you're looking at the stats. Yes, you lose your starting running back, but your backup is equally as good as your mm -hmm. starter. And you're looking at, okay, Gabriel, three receptions for 58 yards. Julio, six receptions for 57 yards. 
Uh, Hooper, six receptions for 49. Sanu, three receptions. Hardy, two receptions. What you saw was the Atlanta Falcons spreading Spread the ball, ball around against a Dallas defense. And people have to remember this. Coming into the year, the big question mark for Dallas was their defense. And they just happened and to And Sean Lee left. And Sean Lee left also. That can change the whole complexion of, of, of the whole playoff picture. You lose your best running back and you lose one of the best linebackers in the National Football League with a defense that was already struggling. I think that this game was really all about the Atlanta Falcons. And it was, for me, it was about their defense. Their defense set the tone. Remember the when we were picking the game and I think you picked the Cowboys and I told you. No, I picked Falcons. Okay. I told you the reason I was picking the Falcons because there's a reason for both of these teams is that I told you that the Falcons, if they wanted any chance, mm-hmm. they had to win this game. They had to win it, yeah. Because <coughs> Carolina and the Saints are out there and they're, they don't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And if Atlanta has any prayer of keeping track with them, of keeping pace with them, they could not afford to lose this game. Yeah. They could not because one, the, the Cowboys are going to be in that playoff picture, remember we were saying, because the Eagles have run off with the NFC East. So the Falcons could not afford to, one, lose any more ground in the wildcard place, and the last thing they could afford to have is lose a tiebreaker with the Cowboys, which means they now need to be win one more game than the mm-hmm. Cowboys, which wasn't going to be a, a... The Falcons could not afford to lose this game. No, they couldn't. They, they just couldn't. And they played like a team that... that couldn't afford to lose. They played like a team who took this game as a playoff game. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how they played. That's, and, you know, good for them. Good for them. Um, the Patriots, Broncos. Broncos, uh, they, they're done. That, I mean, wow. I've never seen something happen so fast. Didn't they start 3 though? They started off looking like the Broncos. Yeah, and they've lost like six in a row. Yeah, you don't have a quarterback. And bad, too. Yeah, you don't have a quarterback. And you heard a lot of talk at the beginning of the season, and I and I said this at the beginning of the season, too. If you're these other teams in the AFC, you better take advantage of where the Patriots started because once they get going, they're going to get going. And that's what's, that's what's taking place. The Patriots are looking like the Patriots. Um, the Broncos supposed to, you know, they're – their strength is supposed to be their defense. And they've given up 23, 21, 29, 51, 41. Yeah, see, that's that's just not going it's, it's, it's not going to get it, you know? Yeah. I have to believe that that's melded in. Like, their, their defense is better than giving up 41 and 50 points in games. And But here's the thing, here, here is, and I'm going to go back to this, and this is why this is why I go back to if I remove Seattle as a team to beat, why the Rams are the team to beat. You know why the Dallas, why the Denver Broncos defense was so good? Yes, they had great players. But you know who their coach was? Wade Phillips. Okay, and you see what happens. You still got a lot of those same players there, but you remove the defensive coordinator, and now this defense is giving up a whole lot of points. <laughs> the LT being out made a difference. That dude gave up six sacks. Yeah, that dude did give up six sacks. Um the Cowboys offensive lineman was out there getting destroyed, getting owned <laughs> by the uh by the dude gave up six sacks on his own. The like whole that. Falcons D line was just teeing off on the Cowboys. Yeah, they were. They were. They were. Um the Patriots are are, are in Patriots form. You know, it's it's every year. September, what's wrong with this Patriots? They gotta address this, they gotta address that. October, okay, maybe they have a shot and then November it's can anybody beat them? December, <laughs> we don't want no parts of them. You know, and, and and that's just just is what it is. And they're just and even though the Patriots are seven to two, they still don't even feel invincible just yet. But I feel like they're gonna get better. I feel like they're gonna get better. The running back situation they every week Deion Lewis started off as almost inactive in week one and mm-hmm. now look up and he's you know spearheading 
the the that backfield, and he's he's the getting more carries than anybody else. And you know what, Deion Lewis and James White can both do out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they picked up Martellus Bennett. They're like, how? That's just a Patriot way, right? You know, like <coughs> Bennett. What are we gonna do with him? We can't afford to keep him. Let him go. Let him go. Good luck to you. Mm-hmm. And then, whoa, look who's back. <laughs> you know, it's like the boomerang thing, like. Wow, look, like, look who's back, and, and we got him anyway, you know what I mean? Like, and, that, and that's just how the Patriots roll, like, you know, so is, whether it's LeGarrette Blunt, whether it's Bennett, whether it's so-and-so, it's just like, you know, let him go, we'll figure something out, good luck to you, and maybe we'll see you down the road again, and he'll be right back here, you know, back in the winning fold. He hadn't done a damn thing in Green Bay the whole season, comes out here and catches three passes and picks up 38 yards, you know, catches three of his three targets, a 27-yard reception, and it's like, boom, right back there. Now, all of a sudden, they have two tight ends again. They have their receiver. I mean, and they, they we still haven't even seen the um, Brandy Cooks, Tom Brady thing even really get going yet. And when that gets going, is the Patriots I, I, right now, as of today, and pretty much every day, Patriots have to be your favorite for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I, that's the team that I picked for the last few years. Yeah, to, it's to the same the respect. Yeah. Um, you just don't get any points for it. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's you, easy you, to pick them. You, it's easy to pick them because of, of the reputation. I mean, they've been the most dominant football team since 2001. They mm. have been the most dominant football team. All right. Uh, with that said, I still think the Pittsburgh Steelers are the most dangerous team. Kansas City mm-hmm. got off to a hot start, and right now they're sitting at 6-3, and three, clearly the favorite to win their division. Um, and and you got to think about this. If you're the AFC, you, you you want the Patriots to lose because Kansas City beat them. Okay, right now, in the tiebreaker, you have to go to Kansas City um, as far as getting to the, to the Super Bowl. But the way it's sitting right now, the New England Patriots are sitting at the top of the AFC, at the top of the AFC tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, um, you know, the Patriots are the Patriots, man. I mean, Bill Belichick, we know what's going on over there. Those guys are just going to figure it out. I mean, he just has a knack. I mean, you go, you can go all the way back to Corey Dillon. People thought Corey Dillon was done. I think he came in and got 1,500 yards and a Super Bowl. 1,500. All right, so that's just, man, that's just the Patriots' way. And I'm sitting here looking at these stand, you know, looking at the standings in, in, in the AFC. And, and there's a team that I believe had a bye week this week that we didn't talk about that may legitimately, that could seriously get a playoff spot. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. They're sitting second in their, they're sitting second in the division at four and five, and everybody who's and everybody who's above them they play. So I don't um, see it happening. I think they're done too. I, mean, I just don't think they're that good. But but you, they may not be that good. But I put it this way: in a coin flip, I would have to take the like. If you're asking me today, I'd have to for that last spot. Just in terms of not even recognize, <coughs> don't know who they're playing. I feel like the Raiders. I have more faith in the Raiders getting it together and getting their act right than I do of the. Um, than I do the Ravens. Well, I mean, I look at the Ravens' schedule, and they play the Browns, they play the Bengals. Those are two. All right, so you got the Bengals, the Browns, the Colts. It's three. Green Bay. Four. Your next game is against Green Bay. Then you play Houston. The two games that okay, you have, they might get one out of that. <laughs> but, the, but then the two games that you have to look at is they play Detroit, and then they go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right. So you're looking at, in these last two, four, six, seven games, if they just lose two games, right? <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they, they. I mean, they're in there. They're in there. So, um, you know, 
I, I just had to bring that up about Baltimore because Baltimore is just one of those. They're one of those sneaky quiet teams. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what you're going to get from no, right you at any time if that team decides to show up and they give you anything on the offensive side of the ball. You know that defense is good enough to support it. Yep. Um, and then that takes us to the Monday night game. John Carlo, what's up, buddy? This is your. Uh, this is the game that you guaranteed a victory for the Dolphins. Dolphins were out there and got hit. <coughs> and the NFC need to be put on notice. And uh I don't, you know, I didn't I didn't even really put it on that uh that uh they got rid of Calvin Benjamin, but they're rolling. Carolina's rolling. We we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh Cam having fun is not what you want to see. Like that that's because once he gets going, he's a guy that he's a confidence guy. Mm-hmm. And the key, like you always said, you gotta hit him. Gotta hit him early, you gotta hit him often, mm-hmm. and you gotta let him not get comfortable. Mm-hmm. He has he has to hear footsteps on every play. Mm-hmm. He has to be thinking. He has to have pressure. He he you have to do that. And that's the reason that I feel like the year that they lost the Super Bowl to Broncos, the Broncos was the only team that they would have lost to because Von Miller and the boys were hitting them every single play. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to do. If can once you start seeing this and this yeah. and, and and this mm-hmm. It's over. And yeah, I mean, it just, we saw, yeah, we see, face, man. we see all of that. And when he starts getting his confidence, forget about it. Forget about. It. I mean, last night we see, we see the read option pulls it, pulls it back in, and that dude's gone. Like he, he's sixty nine yards gone. And I mean, then once he gets rolling, forget about it. And and you have to hit him early and often. You have to because once once he gets rolling, you're not going, you're not going to catch it. Um. Last night, for the first time, we got to see the Jonathan Stewart uh, that we're used to seeing. And I think so much of his production is off of Cam and the read mm-hmm. and what and what looks that he's going to get. Um, and then now we're getting the McCaffrey, the, the, you know, what they signed up for mm-hmm. with McCaffrey. You know, the passes, a little bit of the running. And, and then Fuentes stepping in. Uh, he's been taking a backseat to Benjamin since he's been there, now he stepped in in the last two games as the number one receiver, and he's certainly answered the um, call for him. I do, the one thing that I, they are still missing from that year is the Ted Ginn thing, the, yeah. the, to take the top off. Because mm-hmm. just when Cam would really start having fun, he'd hit over the top of the head one of those 50-yard passes to Ted Ginn that he may or may not catch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like that That's the one element that they are that they are missing. The defense is not, the Carolina defense is not as good as that that year was with Josh Norman and and, and uh and that uh, but Carolina's rolling. I'm I, I'm not if I'm if I'm the NFC teams I'm not looking forward to playing them while 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 they're on a roll. The Dolphins again. I mean I I I, I never really thought the Dolphins were that great of a team to just to begin with. Uh, I, like I said, I, I thought that they were god awful going into the season. I thought they had a chance to be damn near historically bad. They're not. They're you know still below average. Um, Jay Cutler, it is what it is. You know what you got. Their offense lacks any originality at all. It might be the um, the most boring, generic vanilla. Off. They look like a preseason team when they're playing offense. The offense is just awful. No originality at all. Mm-hmm. And every pass seems to be at the line of scrimmage for some reason. Like every single pass seems to go to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only run the ball seventeen times. Actually, sixteen. And, I mean, shh, one of the runs, I mean, he did seven carries for, for Drake for 82 yards. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else is to say about the Dolphins. I'm trying to find something positive for yeah. the Dolphins, and I don't think there is anything I, positive. I mean, to be honest with you, there's nothing. I, I'm not even going to touch on the Dolphins. 
but what I will go back to is the Carolina is the Carolina Panthers. And I'm looking at the remainder of their schedule, and there are three games that I'm paying attention to. First of all, they have a bye coming up this week. Um, yeah, they have a bye coming up this week. All right. They go to New Orleans. They're home from Minnesota after that. And on the last game of the season, they play at Atlanta. Atlanta's going to need that. Atlanta is definitely going to need that. Uh, you know, they, after the bye week, they play the Jets. They also play the Packers, and they also play Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa Bay probably would have been checked out by then. Outside of that, I would actually consider Tampa Bay to be a threat uh, to to Carolina. But just looking at uh, three of the six games that they have left, man, it's going to be that whole NFC South, man. That whole NFC South is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I'm I'm glad. I know you guys counted uh, Carolina out at the beginning of the year, and um, they they they're, they've answered the bell. We knew that this was going to be a tough division, and I feel like Tampa Bay checked themselves out of the division early. They took themselves out of the running. I don't mean they took themselves out because I don't. I think they they took themselves out. I think they they uh, self uh, exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, the Falcons are right where I thought they were going to be. The Saints are surprising to me, and um, I'm I'm happy. I think the Carolina. I think Carolina. I think the NFL is better with Cam and and the Panthers. Like the NFL needs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, needs. I don't want to say needs because NFL needs. You like Cam. You, you like Carolina being successful because it puts Cam in the spotlight. And if he does well, you're going to see excitement, and then people are going to have a reason to criticize him. And if he does poorly, then everybody who can't wait to criticize him gets right. their opportunity to criticize him. With that said, I'm looking at the Falcons' remaining schedule. They go to Seattle. I don't care if you're without without Sherman right. or not. You're playing Seattle. Uh, an 8.30 game, all right? They play Minnesota. They play New Orleans. They go to Tampa. They go to New Orleans, and then they end with Carolina. Yeah, that's a heck of a schedule. That's a tough schedule, that's a tough schedule for the um, for the Falcons. And, and when I'm looking at that schedule, all right, when I'm looking at that schedule, I'm saying to myself, this is why I'm not just putting the Redskins out because they are mathematically in it. The Falcons have a tough schedule, mm-hmm. and if they're going to qualify for the playoffs, they're not. if they're going to qualify for the playoffs, then 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 you got some tough teams to beat. I can care less if, if Seattle's without Sherman. You still have to go up there to Seattle and, and win a game. So the Dolphins, after putting together a little stretch there where they had three ones, they beat the Titans, who are, and they're going to end up in the in the, in the um, playoffs. <coughs> the Falcons, who were the defending Super Bowl uh, representatives. And then they beat the Jets. So they had put together a nice little three-game stretch there in a row. Then you go out and lose by 40 to the Ravens, lose to the Raiders, lose to the Panthers now. Uh, I mean, they got a game this week coming up against the Bucks, which, uh, sure, they got a shot to win. Then you play the Patriots. You play the Broncos. play the Patriots again. You play the Bills. You play the Chiefs. You play the Bills. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. done. Uh, Giancarlo, I don't know what the hell you possibly were looking at. I mean, done. I mean, they, they, they got beat bad last night. You still got to go to Foxborough. Uh, you never know on any given day the Broncos are going to snap out of that funk. And you got to play the Patriots twice. You you got to play the Bills twice. And you got to play the Chiefs and Kansas and you gotta, City. Yeah, come yeah, on, man. That's, that's and they might not get another win. The Dolphins might not get another win. I see them beating Buffalo one of those games. I think they'll they'll split with Buffalo. And and uh, you know what? I mean, I'm not because I just don't like what's going on in Tampa. I'm not going to say the Tampa's automatically going to win them, but. Put it this way, I'll give the no, Dolphins, definitely I'll give the Dolphins I'll give the Dolphins one more win 
and that's against Buffalo, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did beat um, Tampa Bay. No, it wouldn't. And I was more, I'd be more giving them that win than I would either one of those Buffalo wins, but I don't know what the hell Buffalo got going on. But that's last week. Let's go ahead and get into uh, this coming week, and we start off with the Thursday game. Let me pull that up. What we got for the Thursday game? Who was the Thursday game? Week 11. Oh, I should stay on ESPN. Titans and Steelers. That's a good one. That is a good one. Six and three versus seven and two, but they're in Pittsburgh, so give me the Steelers. Yeah, give me. Uh, I'll take Steelers. Dolphins are definitely done. Uh, he said, <laughs> D said Boogie on the uh, Redskins payroll. You didn't know? Who said that? Uh, D. Oh, no. I'm not on the Redskins payroll. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. You might not be paying you, but you act like it. Yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just speaking the truth about it. Man, they're done. Um, I'm taking Steelers. Yeah, I got Steelers. Okay. Uh, Lions, Bears. Give me the Lions. Give me the Lions. Jaguars, Browns. Give me the Jags. Give me Cleveland. Why? Just because I just refuse to pick Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville's going to win the game. I'm just picking Cleveland. I'm going Cleveland for that game. So you got losses to waste. Go ahead and knock yourself out. I feel like I do. <laughs> um, Ravens, Packers. They go to Green Bay. <coughs> the Ravens. You're Baltimore. You got to you. You got to be. They're coming off a bye. They are. Give me Green Bay. Why? Just I'm just. You play Green, Green Bay, Bay like I think all three games since Actually, then, right? I, just, I picked them to lose last game. Against the Bears? No, actually, I did pick them to win. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You picked them to win every game since Aaron Rodgers went down. Give me Green Bay. That's wild. Give me the Ravens. Um, Buccaneers at the Dolphins. Still no Jameis. Mike Evans comes back, though. Give me Dolphins. Uh, That's a coin flip for me, so I'll at least take my team. Give me the Bucks. Give me the Bucks. Um, I actually right now think the Dolphins are more a safer pick, but like I said, it's a coin flip, and I'll at least go with my team. So give me Tampa. Um, Rams Vikings. Woo-hoo! That's a good game. That's a great game, right there. Rams Vikings. I think we're gonna get some answers. I'm going Rams. Too. I'm going Rams too. I'm going Rams. I would not be surprised at all if the Vikings beat them. I, you can't be. I mean, you got you got the best defense in the National They're Football League going up against uh, one of the best offenses in the National Football League. Um, but I, I'm I'm going to. That's tough because I'm going Rams. I'm, I'm going, going Rams. Rams. Yeah, <coughs> Rams. That's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Redskins go to New Orleans. Give me New Orleans. Yeah, give me Saints. Um, the Chiefs Giants. Chiefs. Giants are done, dude. <laughs> Giants are done. Give me the Chiefs. That's crazy. I that one and eight. They went out there and lost to the 49ers. Um, Cardinals at Texans. I'll take Arizona. That's a bad game, dude. I'll take Arizona. Give me. I could not. What, why are you picking Arizona? I just think from an offensive standpoint that they can, they can put up more points than Houston. I mean, I have, although I like, De- I like DeAndre Hopkins, um, I just, I just feel like when, when Deshaun Watson got hurt, mm-hmm. I just think that they just, it just took all the win out of Houston. Yeah. I agree. Um, 
Cardinals, I just don't think are a good football team without Carson Palmer and David Johnson, and they're on the road. Um, two bad teams. Give me the home team. I'll take the Texans. Not much confidence in that one. Um, yeah, I'll just take the Texans just because. Just um, Bills, Chargers. I thought I had an idea what the Bills were. Now I have no idea what the Bills are. Um, I know the Chargers are, and that's are not a good football team. But Philip Rivers is in the pro, uh, concussion protocol right now. And they're at home. Well, Philip Rivers doesn't play. I'm saying shot in hell. Um, I'm going to go Buffalo. I'm still going to go Buffalo. I'm going to go Buffalo. I'll go Buffalo. That's a tough one. Um, Bengals at Broncos. Two struggling teams. Three and six. I'm going to take the Bengals. I'll take the Bengals. Uh, yeah. The Broncos are bad, man. Uh, Brock Osweiler is awful. All Bengals got to do is, is score 20-plus points, and I think they win this game. Broncos are incapable of scoring, putting that many points on the board. Yeah, I just don't think Broncos been put up that many points. Yeah, I'll take the Bengals. Uh, Patriots at Raiders. You know we're going Patriots. Yeah, Raiders need to make Raiders need to win one of these games. Like they need to start winning. Yeah, they need. They to did. Win. They they won one. They got a, they got a bye week. Uh, they're winning every game from here on out. Mode. Like they can't afford to lose another game, especially if the Ravens are going to be playing. Uh, uh, the Queen Bay, and if the Ravens get a victory, and the Raiders lose, and the Raiders lose, that that makes it real tough. Well, it's unfortunate for Oakland that you need to to get some wins, and you're starting it off by playing the Northern Patriots, who's fighting for a home field advantage in the playoffs. The Patriots will treat this game like a playoff games, and and they'll they'll be they'll be Oakland. Yeah, give me give me New England because <coughs> because. Of the Steelers and because of the Chiefs, especially with them losing the tiebreaker to the Chiefs, you're right. The Patriots do need to win all these games mm-hmm. because you do want to start. You do. You are starting to worry about home field advantage, mm-hmm. um, especially like you said. Since they already lost to the Chiefs, so that means the Chiefs own that tiebreaker. The Patriots. Um, if I'm the Patriots, they're looking to win out so they can get that home field advantage. Um, the Raiders. I don't know. This season could just be over that fast. In the season that was supposed to have damn near Super Bowl. Uh, you know, aspirations. Here's, here's the problem for the Raiders. You play the Patriots this week, all right? Then you play Denver. That can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You'll beat the Giants. But then you have to go to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Dallas comes to you. You go to Philly. And then you go to the uh, then you go to the Chargers. So you're looking at uh, the New England game, the Kansas City game, the Dallas game, and the Philadelphia game. You're looking at you, you're looking at four games that that's just scenarios two and two down there. To even stay alive, you have to go two and two. And and personally, I just feel like that if you lose, I mean, you're going to lose to the Patriots. You know that you cannot lose to Kansas City and think that you're going to stay alive. You you just can't lose to Kansas City. So as far as I'm concerned, the Raiders the Raiders are done. Yeah, the Raiders. Are the done. only chance I see that that that. The Raiders beat Philadelphia as if Philadelphia somehow has locked up home field advantage and they're just resting their players, which I, I just don't see them doing it. Raiders are done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, Ra- yeah, Raiders are done, man. After a season that had so much uh, promise, uh, both taking the Patriots. Uh, Eagles-Cowboys in Dallas. That's a game to be worried about, man. When, when it comes to these division games, especially NFC East games, it's like you throw records, you throw hell, you throw everything out the window, and it's like you don't know what's going to happen. You know, the only thing, in most of the cases, you just almost assume a split. I'm going Eagles with this. 
Eagles are coming off a bye week. They're coming off a bye week. The Cowboys are coming off a last whooping. They're coming off a butt whooping. Yes, the Eagles are coming to Dallas, but this, this, you know, I think the Falcons, the way the Falcons got after Dallas, I think that the Falcons, you know, they pretty much gave the blueprint for beating Dallas without Ezekiel Elliott. You have to control Beasley. Um, defend Brian enough to where, you know, he starts spazzing out about not getting <laughs> and, and make sure you put Prescott under pressure. I really don't, especially without Sean Lee, I think that this, this Dallas defense is going to have a hard time stopping this. Yeah, yeah. Offense. And we have to remember, you've been saying it all, all, all year long. Just like uh, uh, Drew Brees hasn't had that big game, um, I believe there was another team that I spoke about hasn't had that big game. Tory, uh, Tory Smith still nope. hasn't had that big game. Nope. And so when you're talking about playing against a Dallas defense, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another uh, same result as like that that Dallas Falcon game. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles just hand just hand Dallas. I wouldn't either. I'm gonna take the Eagles. And you're right. I think I, I think it has potential to get ugly. I do think it has potential to get ugly. And then the Monday night game, Falcons in Seattle without Richard Sherman. I'm still taking Seattle. I think Seattle takes pride. I'll take Seattle in Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to Seattle. Then I just don't. I, I believe in Seattle in Seattle always. And then I'm not really a big uh, believer in the Falcons and that rank and traveling or whatever the case may be. All right, that is this week's show. You got anything to say before we get out of here, Blue? Good. All right, well, again, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, D, appreciate you. John Carlo, a whole bunch of people tuning in today. Uh, appreciate it. Um, everybody, again, if you missed the show, if you missed parts of the show, it is available there on the Facebook page. You can go back and listen to it anytime you like, as well as on Google Play, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Just type in Player's Voice, the Barbershop, and you can get the podcast right there. And again, we appreciate all of you guys for listening weekly and support. See a lot of the names over and over again. See a lot of you guys sharing it, coming back and listening to it. Really do appreciate it, guys. Last week was over 500, so appreciate that. Um, again, everybody, have a good weekend. Enjoy your football Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Later.